thing that I found so wonderful was the moment that he actually decided that he was an alcoholic. I was like, oh, thank God, we're finally there. Did you need to... Burp? I needed to burp a little bit. They wouldn't do the microphone because I would have grossed everyone out. I'm drinking bubbly water during a podcast, and, which is probably a bad well, idea. I've got kombucha and green juice, and I'm about to tuck into my coffee. So, yeah. I mean... Well, we got it on video, too, so we'll make that a blooper reel. Come and stay a while amid the British charm that is called my brain. I'm a journalist and pastor in California, but don't hold that against me. I wasn't brainwashed. I chose to leave my atheism on my own accord, consequently after two sips of Kool-Aid. But that's for another time. These opinions are my own most of the time. The humour was learned of a book I found in a hedge, and the dreamer in me, well, she's here to stay. So you're very welcome. We have such a get, 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 get mentality. Yeah. Like, I want to get this. I want to get this. And then when you have the ability to, you're like, Ugh. Where's the fun in that? It's like money was never meant to be used that way. It is powerful. Yeah. I don't want to say money has no power, but it has the power to pursue your passions, totally. to empower other people, to build. And it's like, but if you're just using it to flex, using it to portray yourself as an image, using it to just get what you want, then it gets really boring really fast. It does get very boring and there doesn't seem to be much substance in people like that. It does not, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, I've, I've noticed is the favor... Oops. The is my, am I in my microphone? Oh, it was a fly. I'm looking at Tyler and he was doing that. And I'm like, am I not near the, am I not near the microphone enough? And he's like, sorry, it's a fly. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with Favour, if it, I'm slightly nervous, we might all make that a bit of an idol. Mm. And we think yeah. that, you know, therefore God loves us more yeah. with Favour. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've noticed though is that I'm, I'm like, Favour goes to those who do wish to share it mm -hmm. very quickly. Oh, yes. The most generous are the most favored often. And it's crazy. And the and the heart to build and empower and invest and just create. Yeah. I mean, we are dealing with the greatest creative <laughs> as our as this relationship. So one of the things that I'm I'm fascinated by is the fact that that was it feels like an instinctual thing to go, "Oh, I, my motivation wasn't ever really to be successful. Mm -hmm. or, my, or did it just kind of land on you? You thought this should be it, and then you recognize, oh, building other people is where this is at. How did it work for you? Well, I hope I answered the question the right way. Um, <laughs> I made it very complicated there. No, it's good, it's good. I, I think I have a lot of selfish desires still, you know. Ooh, what are they? Well, I, I want to make a feature film. So oh, me and me my great. brother are writing one right now. Like that's I. It's like I'm. That's I. My, one of my hugest, biggest passions in life is acting, directing, storytelling. Yeah. So you know, the, at the end of the day, I look at a dream like that. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a selfish dream. I just I want to do it. I love it. I come alive in acting. I come alive in storytelling. So, mm. but I think there's something about achieving success but then doing everything in your power to bring everyone around you up with you Ooh, and empowering good. their dreams, empowering their desires, sewing into their stuff. That brings so much joy and fulfillment. Cause, wow. and, and maybe, maybe that's, maybe in a way that could be selfish because you're like, I want us all to be succeeding and living life together. And, but it, it feels so much more fulfilling. Mm. So, I don't know if it was intuitive or just, I think it was just after living in the high tower all alone for a little bit, you're like, this sucks. Like, what's the point of this? And yeah. I don't know if I'm articulating it right, but. Was it that conversation that brought you up, but you felt like you were kind of getting out of it already or was it just a case of feeling fed up and feeling fed up and you, you wanted to get out of that? The conversation helped a lot. But I think the conversation showed me some practical things mm. in order to start to get my mindset out of everything's achievable. So what's the point of pursuing mm. it? You know, mm. when you start to feel that way, it's like, I can't imagine if, because I'm not famous, you know, I'm mm. not a famous person. So I can't imagine partnering like success and financial wealth with fame at the same time. Mm. That would have killed me. Totally. Like it would have completely destroyed me. Right. And so it gave me a lot of compassion for a lot of these people who, you know, yeah. are young kids, you know, rising yeah. really fast. And it's like, man, like the stuff that the things they have to go through. And there was also a lot of loneliness. 
because mm. you know all of my friends, you know all my peers and everything, making the same amount of money, living the same, doing the same thing they've been doing, and all of a sudden now, this thing explodes for me, and my complaints, my problems, things I'm struggling with are completely different same. than what Tastely. they are, and I sound like. A little whiny baby, you know, talking about <laughs> I some can't of my issues. move all of my goals. Yeah, well, <laughs> it feels like that to them. And so, and then you feel like you're out of their loop because right. I remember one day I was hanging with some friends. This friend's like, Man, my freaking car broke down and it's costing me $150 to fix it. Right. And I'm thinking, like, I I don't even remember what that feels like to like be worried or concerned or people are like, yeah. gas prices are going up and, or fans are like, oh, those are nice shoes. How much you pay for that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't look at prices. And yeah. they're like, oh, you don't look at prices. Oh, oh you're no. so, you know, and, and you're like, oh, I feel misunderstood. I feel like they think I'm a douchebag because I'm saying these things, but this is my reality right now. Yeah. And, or like, oh, I'll get my assistant to do that. Oh, your assistant, huh? You're so, so there was a journey of feeling so lonely because it felt like no matter what I said, if I tried to bring people into my process, it felt arrogant or it felt yeah. like they were judging me yeah. or, and I, I, me and my partner, Ben realized this is why successful people hang out with other successful people. Absolutely. Because they're, they feel understood. And so there's been a journey of, of me going, okay, I'm not going to say, oh, I can only hang out with successful people now because they understand me. I need to do a good job of empathizing and putting myself back into their shoes mm -hmm. and being part of their journey and trying to understand them where they're at and being okay if only two people in my life actually understand where I'm coming from. And um, so I think it was just learning that gratitude and then being okay with, hey, this is actually what I've signed up for. I've signed up for being a bit misunderstood at times, yeah. um, looking this way or, you know, being perceived um, because I say this or, or talk about that. And so learning that also helped lower the depression as well, because a, a lot of the depression came from just feeling misunderstood, feeling lonely, feeling Absolutely. like uh, this is a crazy thing and nobody can understand me and ended up doing a lot of counseling with Justin Stumball yeah. in order to like learn champion. to bring that out. Yeah. So I... <laughs> I don't know if I'm being articulate and like, this is what helped me, but it's just a journey of a lot of different things. Talking to the billionaire, learning about like where I'm at, learning to have self-compassion, learning to be okay with being misunderstood in the journey. All of that kind of just formed to where I feel like, I feel like I'm thriving. I feel happy now, you know? And Well, this is the thing for me that I, I'm like, I knew you because you were building other people. That's yeah. how I learned of you. That's interesting. Yeah. And so... I'm always fascinated by people that are going, this person's really inspiring me. This person's set a space for us to start thriving. And so I naturally run after those people and go, tell me more about you because I want to do the same. One of the things I love to do, it's a, this is a weird thing. One of the things I love to do is actually when people are, have been very successful and everything collapses overnight, that's when I love to come in because yeah. everyone else has left them. Yes. And I've had some of my dearest friends um, in their career, especially with fame, um, it, were extraordinarily successful. Everything tanks overnight or something happens in the press and all of a sudden you're no longer the queen of England. You are something yeah. very different. Oh, man. Um, and, you know, they're now flying economy and people are coming up to them going, why are you here? Because they're disappointed they're not in first. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Um, the mortification, the hiding, the isolation, the does anyone actually know who I am is the part that I love to come in and go, oh, I see you, sweetheart. Yeah. This, nothing changes now. That's amazing. And I think, and, I, and then you start to see them fly again and they get this second wind and everything starts to, but they don't forget that. They don't forget yeah. the person that saw you. And I remember playing, I got myself into a lot of trouble actually, but um, <laughs> I was playing Jenga in a Hollywood party one night and there was a guy who I'd stayed at his mansion in the guest house with a few of our friends one particular evening. And I'd seen him a few months later. And um, I just got this feeling of like, he he basically, he was like the party king in mm. Hollywood. Very, very well known, very, very successful. And like the king bachelor, so to speak. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he had a bit of a life transformation and was like cleaning up some of his act in, in all different ways and the partying was slowing down a little bit. And so there we were on New Year's Eve playing Jenga. <laughs> and and I remember like we were moving these pieces and I and we say Happy New Year to each other and then I just get this very cliched prophetic word and I just go, this is going to be a really stupid question to ask you. And he said, what? And I said, do you feel known? 
and he, he literally broke wow. and couldn't believe it. And I was, it's not that profound. It's not that, <laughs> I mean, it's what we say probably five times a day. But for him, he'd been longing for people to actually see him. Yeah. And, and that's the part that I always hope for people when things yeah. really start to really start to land on them. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that they still feel known and seen for the very depth of their substance and character. Yeah. Oh, and that's so rough. It's so, and like, and I don't want to pretend like I can understand, especially when it's being on a pedestal where you're, you're famous. Mm -hmm. Like that is a whole, I'm sure it's a whole new level of feeling lonely or unknown when everyone wants you to be who they want you to be. And they assume you to be this person and you have this, they've seen you on television or the show and they think, and I can't imagine that, you know, like that's, that's gotta be rough. I think though, like, that's amazing that you actually, that's one of your heart <laughs> passions is to make people yeah. feel known in those situations and yeah. actually to meet them where they're at. And I would have to agree that that's definitely something that in my journey of feeling lonely or unknown, I want to use all of that to, to feel other people who I see rising up mm -hmm. and doing things. It's like, hey, like I, I walked through this at a really young age and this is what I felt. Um, and so, but what's actually crazy is there's not books and, well, I haven't seen books and teachings and courses on what to do when you're successful. It's all yeah. how to get successful because that's a larger demographic. Yeah. And the, the actual successful, it's, it's like the people who are doing that, they're not trying to market to those people. No. And so it can feel extremely lonely. It feels like you're trying to reinvent the wheel on how to live once you're, yeah. once you're living in something like that. And uh, I think it'd be really powerful to, to actually go after that. You Do know? You, I mean, I'm sure you, you know this, the Jim Carrey story of like he wrote himself, was it a $5 million check? Yeah. Yep. And the first five years of his acting, yep. I, I think this is on, um, is it Jim and Andy? That I've documentary. seen it on Oprah too. Yes. Yeah. And which, he talked about this check and how, yeah. you know, and then the the very moving part for me was around that five-year mark, he gets the three films, mm -hmm. The Mask and Ace Ventura. And, mm -hmm. So obviously he's, he's about to make his millions, but also his father dies around that time. Mm -hmm. And he buries his father with the $5 million check in his pocket. Wow. Which to me goes, that just says it all. And Jim, of course, wow. is the one that says... People don't understand what um, that the people, the only people that understand that money and fame do not make you happy, the ones that have money and fame. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was really moving for me. That's just in the so sense powerful. of like you'd, you'd spent your life destined for this moment, sitting in fields, opening up your arms, imagining the success of your life. And no mm -hmm. behold, you became it. But the very man that, that you had really desired to make yeah. happy yeah. was now taken from you in this life. And yeah. so it's just a very powerful moment that I'm like, oh, relationship is everything. It is. Man, I, I wish there was a way to ingrate, I wish there was a way to teach people that, that before they hit that level, you know? Yeah. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and I, I said, he was just like, man, like, I don't see why you're not like out buying Lamborghinis and all this stuff. And I said, dude, it's just not worth it. It's not, it's a waste of time. Like it, it's not gonna make you happy. And, and he's like, I, and I said, dude, I promise money's not gonna, not gonna change your life and make you so much happier. If you're feeling unfulfilled right now, you're not gonna feel fulfilled if you're a millionaire. And he goes, you know, what? I'm just gonna need to experience that in order to believe it. And I'm like, I feel like that's most people. Most yeah. people, are, most people, and that definitely was for me. You could have told me all that. And I'll be like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> but I wonder if there is a way. And that, that's kind of, that's a goal of mine is to, is to figure out a way as well to really like to teach and empower people to, to actually believe that, not just say they believe it and be like, oh yeah, I'm sure it doesn't mean, but mm. to actually know because as soon as you believe it, you can start pursuing the thing that really matters to you. Mm. You stop wasting your time with all this noise or things that you think are gonna make you look successful and you get to start pursuing what actually makes you successful. And then it's like, that's so much, so much better way to live your life. So yeah, I don't know, that's a journey. It's funny because I was having dinner with an actor a few, a couple of weeks ago and he'd asked me, why do you think it is about people that feel like they need to belong to the church or they have to stick mm -hmm. by the rules? Are they scared of they scared of being in, in the wrong? And I went, no, I think it's because they were inspired by mm. someone. 
that made them want to make that that rule of life. Yeah. We're not coming into an establishment going, oh, we can't do any of those things anymore. Okay. We're inspired somewhere to go, oh, that's a great idea to not do that anymore. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise the gift of connection and trust that I'm building if I don't have affairs with other people while I'm in this like all yep. these different things. Interesting, yeah. It's I was inspired, for example, kind of coming back in, because I was an atheist during my 20s. And I think some of that was because I felt like it was more permissible to make mistakes, to get it wrong, to fail. So I thought, well, if I don't have a God to answer to anymore, <laughs> then maybe I can just try things out, you yeah. know? And it was like this, I, it's almost like I had to separate myself from the church in order to go out and try this risky mm-hmm. failure thing. Yeah. And I did make huge amounts of mistakes over that time. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it was inspiration that brought me back to a different way of life. And I think that's the thing that I think you'll do is I bet even if he's, even if your friend was like, I'm assuming it's a he with the Lamborghini mm-hmm. reference. Otherwise, she might have said Bentley if it was yeah, a she. Yeah, true. Yeah, it was a he. Yeah. Bentley um, or Aston Martin. Is that your favorite um, car, Bentley? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Actually, no. Aston Martin Farage is quite nice. Okay. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I've got friends that got Bentleys and then they took it back because <laughs> they didn't like it. Like. They're like, no, it's nice, but I mean, you know, I much prefer my, you know, Kia Sportage. Like, it's real. Crazy. They're just, it is that thing. They, yeah. they want to test it out, but I don't think they were given inspiration by someone that had all of that mm-hmm. and went, actually, there's a better way. And I think we relate success to freedom. It's true. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I could see that totally. Like you were saying, yes, you can treat yourself to do something. You don't have that lick, lurking over your head. Yeah. But there's a limit. And mm-hmm. I wonder whether you, and this is what I'm intrigued by with your life, is I wonder if without you realizing you're inspiring people to go, oh, I didn't realize that this wasn't what it was about. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes needs to be taken by someone that has the authority of this experience that's Mm -hmm. overcome the loneliness of it. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it could be. And and also I don't, I'm extremely grateful for the freedom that I have through the success. Mm. Mm. But at the same time, there's the freedom from, I'm not worrying about my bills. Yeah. I can buy what I want. There's that freedom. Yeah. I don't have to worry about money. Mm-hmm. But when you build something, the responsibility level also skyrockets. It's and the rucksack on the top of the mountain. It is. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm free to not worry about this, but I tell you what, worrying about 40 employees and their well being and having to provide for them and make sure that our company's successful so they get to take a paycheck home every week, that's a lot more stressful than my own car payment so being made on time. Do you nav- how do you navigate that? I mean, just kindness to yourself. So much drugs. You know, I do lots of drugs. Acid, acid. LSD, <laughs> yeah. specifically to really escape. My- no, it's it's over time. It's over time. Yeah, because the first, the first six months was incredible anxiety, mm-hmm. and eventually I had to learn to just let go and actually mm. give in to failure in a large scale, mm. and say, hey, my whole life I've been okay with failing, micro failing or being embarrassed. What happens if my whole company disappears and I have to fire 40 people and everyone's like, oh, look, he used to be successful. Oh gosh. Like I've had to surrender to that reality Mm. and then it's no longer powerful. It's like, it's no longer powerful because it's like, if it happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to come up with another idea. I'm going to pursue something else. Something else is going to work. But I think learning to let go of that has made it be like, okay, it's not as stressful, but there is pressure and you have to perform and you have to do things and you have to make good decisions. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's, the, there's the good stress that keeps me on my toes and mm-hmm. performing, but it's not, it's not crippling. It's not like crippling anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm not depressed and you know, sweating at night, trying to think of how I'm gonna do all this. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, you do exchange it. You do exchange, like I do have financial freedom, but it also results in like, there's less freedom with, certain aspects of life. Yeah. And I'd like to get to a place to where I'm able to turn over the company to a CEO who can run it and build it the way I want it to be built. Yeah. And, um, but I'm having then a lot of fun. Then what would you do? Feature film? I'd probably pursue films full time. Yeah. That's ultimately what I want to build is films. I want to build a massive studio here in Reading. And what kind? What kind of feature films? Uh, I like drama. I, I like good films that tell stories. My favorite film okay. is Google Hunting. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's got my favorite speech in it. Oh yeah. Wait, which one? Is it the one where he's talking about like- You think go, that go- you know love, but have you ever looked into the, 
the eyes of your wife and felt completely vulnerable? Oh, oh. that's a good one. What was the one you were thinking? I of? was thinking when she was like, I want you to come to California with me. He's like, California. He's like, and he's like so scared to be loved that he's putting that block up. And he's like, yeah. no, no, what if we get to California and you realize that you don't actually want me? And then I have to, you know, then I'm, you know, what if you want to take back? And she's like, what's a take back? He's like, I don't know. And it turns into this fight oh, where yeah. she's trying to love him. And he's like, you can't love me more than I love myself. <laughs> and I love films like that. I, I just love stories like that. So I want to, um, I, I forgot kind of about that scene, actually. I need to watch it again. So good. So powerful. Okay, now we're on it. Next two favorites. Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, yes. Any movie with brothers. Oh, I'm done. Dunzo. Yeah. Why? I have four of them. I have five siblings. Goodness. Are you the baby? I'm the second oldest. Uh, wow. You see, yeah. I would have thought you'd have been an only child. Really? Or, no, not an only child, the eldest child. I'm okay. an only child. Oh, eldest okay. child and only child have similar things in the sense of drive and ambition. Mm-hmm. So I would have thought that, but knowing a little bit more of your story, I know mm-hmm. that drive and ambition isn't really, it's pa- you're passionate. Yeah. It's different. Totally. Yeah, I know. I'm the second oldest. I have five siblings and... Uh, Are they all bros? Um, except the youngest. She's a sister. Oh. Yeah. oh, gosh. That is one protected girl. Oh, yeah. She's not going to date for a long time. <laughs> Until yeah. she's 42. Yep, exactly. I told her she can start giving hugs when she's 30. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's something about the bond of brotherhood, mm-hmm. which to me is just one of the strongest bonds. Yeah. So any, any of my friends that I call a brother is like, there's a bond there. You it's know, real. Fight for you. So in, you know, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, those two brothers, the journey they go on together and the betrayal and the heartache, it's just like, uh, yeah. I want to make films like that. You will. Mm-hmm. I think because you have such a depth of character. And I, I always, when I, th- when I think about film directors, mm-hmm. they're quite fascinating people. They really, they do study the human form in so many ways. It's interesting. The ones I've met anyway. What about, what about your movies? What are your favorite movies? Oh gosh. Actually, one of my favorites is Theory of Everything. I have not seen what? it. What? Okay, seen it. you need to see that. Okay, film. I've heard it's really good, though. Yeah, I mean, some people don't would probably wouldn't like it because it's obviously the journey of Stephen Hawkins and his, his and the deterioration of his physical body, but yeah. his mind was extraordinary. Wow! But I was actually just the acting is extraordinary. Eddie Redmayne <sighs> just knocks it out of the park, wow. and and then just the entire the music. It's based in Cambridge, which is 40 minutes south of where I live in England. That's cool. So it's so beautiful. It's, and mm-hmm. it's just that kind of era in England is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. Wow. I need to watch it. I'm trying to think of ones that aren't cliched. Because <laughs> I don't like being cliched. What are you on the Enneagram? I'm three. You're three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. With a wing four though. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. It's so <laughs> I don't know whether that's a good thing to be. I'm full scare me, and I just discovered that I actually have a wing four in me. Hmm. Yeah. You like indie <laughs> films? A lot of indie films. Yes. Okay. One of my one of my friends is um, a producer called Lynette Hal Taylor. Uh huh. She did Place Beyond the Pines with Ryan Gosling and Bradley Cooper. Okay. She yeah. produced um, Blue Valentine, mm. another Ryan Gosling film. Um, she did The Accountant. She did The Star is Born, which that's after she became, she was kind of moving on up with the, with the studios by that point. But, but the indie film thing is pretty fascinating to me, mm-hmm. um, just in the sense of you do have a lot more to play with in yeah. the sense of creativity, yeah. ownership. I remember but I did, I've got, I mean, I, gosh, back in the day when I was involved in film, I remember being on set for it was a it was an indie film called Fifty First State and it had Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Carlyle, who was in Train Spotting. I don't know if you've seen that film. Mm-hmm. It's pretty intense. It was actually one of my favourites back what in the day. What was it called? Train Spotting. Straight, yeah. It was like so. a cult classic in England. Wow. It's it's I mean it won an awful lot of awards, but um, Ewan McGregor's like first breakthrough film. Oh wow. It's really worth watching. Okay, I'll check I mean, it out. just what I mean. I, you, I think you can handle it. And um, <laughs> but the the thing about what was I going with? Oh, I'm Fifty First State. Mm-hmm. So Samuel Jackson. We were filming it in Liverpool, and I was a dancer in the film. 
And uh, this is when I was at college, at university, and uh, they needed like 600 dancers for a nightclub scene. And we all had to pretend that we were on acid. <laughs> and so that was kind of, that was just a fun day of filming. Oh, wow. But um, I remember, but then I kind of developed a friendship with a director who kind of took me under his wing for three months. And so I was just on set the whole time. And so I watched an awful lot of the politics between the producers and the arguments and the the tensions around copyright and owning it. And so I'm kind of getting into a space right now going, what does it look like to have your own power without wanting to control all empires? Like, what does it look like? Yeah. I don't know where, where you're at with that, but I, yeah. Sharing collaboratively uh-huh. and creatively. Like, what are the things that you choose when you're actually, so obviously you're going to make a feature film with your brother, but yeah. so that's kind of a given. That's family. You know, you're like, you're in. Totally, yeah. But what does it happen when you start to get bigger than family? What are the things that you kind of look for to say, can I trust these people? Yeah. And obviously in film, I, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. I, we know I haven't made a, a feature sure. yet before, but with, you know, creatively with like whether we're coming out with a new book in the company or we're coming out with a new product or something like that. Um, well, before we hire anyone, we first think, do, do I want to hang out with this person? Yeah. Could I have fun with this person? The answer is no, I don't care how talented you are. I don't want to be around you every day. And I don't want you dedicating eight hours or more a day of your life to my vision. Mm. So like the culture we have right now with Adventure Challenge is we all hang out. And that's kind of breaking a rule with business because my best friend is also my business partner and I hang out with my employees and I'm also their boss and we have conflict outside of work and arguments and you know- like About the, work or do you have conflict personally? And it's, then it's, you usually, it's personally, yeah, personally. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but I love it. I'm like the fact that we can have arguments outside yeah. and you know, of work is, is amazing. And so, you know, the culture we build just in general here is like we want people who we can connect with and have fun. And okay. also people who are go-getters, work hard and take initiative. Mm. So, but as far as like collaborating creatively, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be the best answer for what you're looking for <laughs> because <sighs> I'm the CEO. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, whatever I want will happen. <laughs> that, what a lovely place to be. It, it's, and it, has, it has its pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. So, but what I've, what I'm learning to do is also pick my battles and pick what's a non-negotiable and what I'm willing to compromise on. And so- you Exactly how you just described that is exactly how I approach relationships. Oh, good. <laughs> just dating in general. So what, yeah. so, so I'm like, oh, that sounds like the non-negotiable thing. Yeah. Maybe it transpires to the same thing or maybe it's different things in work, but mm-hmm. what, what is it? What are those non-negotiables for you? And I mean, in the workplace. I mean, it depends on the product. You yeah. Know? So the, our product is, they're scratch off adventure books. So our big one is a date book. So you get the book for you and your girlfriend or your wife or significant other. And, and um, each adventure is, you can't see what the adventures are because each one's covered with like a lottery ticket scratcher material. So you have to pick a box, commit to doing whatever is in the box, and then you scratch it off and then you do the adventure. That's terrifying. Yeah. But they're That's so fun. Awesome. They're so fun. Yeah, they're great. And then you, it, the, each book comes with a Polaroid camera. So after you do the event, you take a picture and then you have a place to put the picture afterwards. So That's it's like a scrapbook so as well. That's so good. Thank you. So, um, so I created the concept for this book. Like mm-hmm. I had, it was just a, an idea I had one day and I was like, this would be so fun to do. So non-negotiables for me are like, if I don't like the adventure, if I wouldn't do the adventure, I'm not going to put it in the book. And that's created tension at times with their employees because like, I don't like this adventure. I don't think blah, 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 blah. Or I love this adventure. We need to have this people do this and this. And I'm like, I would never in a million years do that. I'm not gonna, I don't feel comfortable selling something to someone that I wouldn't do. Yeah. And at times there's, you compromise because you're like, okay, we'll add this part to the adventure or change it this way so we both like it more. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I won't compromise on what I'm telling people to go do in their adventures. Cause that's, that, it's, it's just like, that's what I'm passionate about. And each adventure. Are any of them scary? No, no, none of them are truly. Because I'm sorry, right here. Okay. You know, so it's like in like- the couple's book, here's an adventure that it's a popular one. It's called The Helpless Baker. And one of you both, you have to make a pie, but one of you is blindfolded. <laughs> Stop it. And the other one is guiding you with their arms, with their arms 
to make the pie and you can only use five sentences the whole entire time you're making a pie. <laughs> so you're having to nudge and grab and poke and, and, and it's really flirty, really fun. I like it. It's great. I mean, it's a fun, it's, you'll feel really connected after it because it's wow. just, you, you have to learn to trust. And it's, so each adventure is like, it's diving into a relationship in a way that's a little bit sneaky that people don't realize. Right. Another adventure is, um, and this is one of the more boring adventures, but if you were to read it on a dating blog, you would never do it. But if you scratched off the box, you have to do it. So you do it and then you realize how impactful it was. But it's you have to go for a five to 10 minute walk and hold hands. Yeah. No talking. I, not, that sounds like my dream date. Not a word. But then you oh. have to find a swing set. <laughs> and the person pushing the person gets to talk for five minutes without the other, or it's three minutes maybe, without the other person saying a single word. Oh, that's weird. And then you switch. That's awesome. And then afterwards, you have to and look into each other's anything. eyes for 60 seconds without breaking eye contact, without saying a word. That's what I did. That's what I do. I don't know whether you ever knew this, but I, I mean, I was in silence for eight days. Really? Eight solid days. Wow. In a place called uh, Symbinos. So I became obsessed with silence because of what it brought up in me and how terrified I was. Interesting. I loved it. I loved it because I became so different after eight days. And some people wow. did it for 30. It was quite extreme. But you would eat meals in front of each other. No, no conversation. No wow. We had sign language for pasta ketchup, which was like essentially looking like I was slashing my wrist. Because <laughs> you pass over ketchup, please. Yeah. It was like all these. I mean, you're doing it with Benedictine monks. And I'm like, what is happening? Oh my gosh. So anyway, after that, when I saw, I got attacked by the microphone. After that, when I got into pastoring, I was speaking. For me, one of the greatest icebreakers, uh, and you'd have like 300 to 600 people in the room. I'd go, right, I want everyone to find one partner that they've never spoken to before. Sit down, cross your legs, silent. And then I'll give instruction. And then they sit down in front of each other. And then I go, ready? And I'll, I'll literally get one of the ti someone timing for 60 seconds. And you've got to look in each other's eyes for 60 seconds without saying a thing. And it was extraordinary what happened in those 60 seconds. Oh, I bet. Crying. Yes. Hysterical laughing, obviously. Uh -huh. But then people like having insane encounters. Yeah. Like it's, it's really amazing. And then it makes you realize how disconnected you are with people mm -hmm. from just 60 seconds of silence. I love that. What else, what else yeah. is that? Well, they do that in acting, in acting school too. That's true. It may, it, you connect with your partner that way. And I, because I did conservatory for a year and every day for like five minutes, you'd have to stare into each other's eyes and not break eye contact. And it became such a habit. I had to learn to actually break eye contact with people outside of school <laughs> because people were talking to me and I'm just like- Just stare. And it's just natural. I'm just, I, I don't break. And they're just like, I had, a, I had a couple of girls tell me, your eye contact is so intense. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> like I just really locked in and engaged. And, and so, yeah, but yeah, that's, but that, that's the date. And afterwards you talk about how it made you feel. So it brings that's up awesome. so many things in people. So mm -hmm. none of the adventures are things that are gonna, freak you out. Some of them are mm. a little bit more like, that's the couple's edition. In the friend's edition, they have some adventures that are a little bit more bold, but none of them are going to get you hurt because we don't want to get in trouble. And, totally. But as far as collaborating with people, it, it, I don't know, it's a lot of compromise and it's a lot of like, what's the overall vision? And all of the minor details can be tweaked, changed, mm. a little bit of compromise, as long as we're hitting the mark of what mm. we're going for. And as long as we're doing that, then there's a lot more give way for my business partner to, to speak up and say, I can change this and he can change that. And, um, but ultimately you just need to have people you trust on the project, Yeah, you know, because, you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, you, you might have to give up your idea for their idea. And if what, you really trust them, then you can see totally. some good fruit from it still. What builds trust for you then? Because I talk about this an awful lot on my podcast is like building sex, trust. Sex, sexual intercourse. Lots of, yeah. With all of partner, your... Lot, <laughs> a lot of sex, you know, it's weird, Wow, but... so you definitely have come from LA. Um, <laughs> that's the one thing I'm trying to navigate yeah. right now. It's like, oh my word. I, I was just wanting to get... When you said you wanted to get to know me, I thought we were just going to have a nice conversation and dinner. No, no, yeah, yeah that, that's crazy. Wow. Is, is, that, is that a thing? Oh, it's a thing. Oh, wow. I, it's changed eight years of because you obviously left LA, uh -huh. came up to Northern California. I've been in Northern California for eight years. Went down to LA last year, and uh, although delighted to be back in the mm -hmm. in the journey of dating, because up here I think it's quite terrifying. I think understandably Definitely to date a pastor. Yeah. So Los Angeles was like this lovely spa expedition of, sort of dating, and before I knew it, I'm like, my word, I'm out of the loop on what's going on here. 
hookup wow. apps weren't really existing eight years ago mm. and just navigating normal life. Yeah. I don't think people talk anymore. Yeah. They've forgotten how to have conversations. I'm, I'm blessed I haven't experienced that. <laughs> I know, but also the, the treat is, I've noticed, and because we we have such a an environment of wanting to sort of build conversations and, and get to know people on, on kind of levels that feel comfortable, one of the things I've noticed, and this isn't a judgy statement, but I'm like, oh gosh, all the guys and all the girls that I interact with and talk to and have heart-to-hearts with, none of them trust each other. Mm. because they're they're doing so much with each other and essentially yeah. being adventurous with each other's bodies and they're not really having yeah. this they they've forgotten how to sort of create trust on such tiny levels that build and build and build to these beautiful moments but yeah, yeah. you know what's a great trust builder what it's conflict ooh talk about that it's a trust builder or it's a trust destroyer and depending on how you handle it cuz if i'm so I refuse to have a conflict or an, uh, an argument or debate with somebody who isn't trying to connect to me. Oh, you know, if, if their goal is to be right, then it's like, you've already lost because yeah. th- this is a selfish conversation and it's not a, and so every argument I have, I'm like, is this person actually trying to connect with me and hear my opinion? And am I trying to connect with them and hear theirs? Or are they just trying to flex or be right or prove themselves? And if they are, you know, maybe I'll humor it for a little bit, but I'll drop it. But when somebody, if I, what happened? No, I just, oh, you I did just say what you did. <laughs> so you got to zoom in on that in the camera so everyone knows. <laughs> You're welcome. Cheers. But yeah, so I, I think, but going through a conflict with somebody. Mm. Sorry, I totally threw you off. <laughs> no, I, I don't even remember it. Actually, I think I have to burp now. I know. <laughs> it's postural echo. This is like when someone yawns. It is, yeah. We're just going to continue. Just keep burping, just yeah. This, just this whole <laughs> half hour of burping. Someone a, would like a, it. We'll have a really good good blooper reel from this <laughs> video, I think. <laughs> okay. As you were. But the... Um, Conflict. That's what Conflict. Conflict. Builds trust. Builds trust. So much trust. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. Anyways, I, I think that friend, so relationships are like super shallow mm-hmm. or they're like two feet deep and that's without conflict. So, right. So it's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. Catch up. That's the shallow. And then it's like, oh, maybe we hang out a lot. But then it's like, do you do conflict? that's the next level of intimacy to me where it's like, yeah. okay, if I can have a, a fight with you and that's how me and my business partner have gotten so close because we fight at least once a week and we, it may suck in the moment where it's, it feels heated and we're both, but at the end of the day, we know like he's for me mm-hmm. and he wants the best for me and I'm for mm-hmm. him and I want the best for him. So I'm going to keep my love on. I'm going to keep my, yeah. uh, my own opinions on, but open. And I'm going to do my best to see their perspective and so when I know when somebody, like if somebody confronts me on something and we have a conflict and work it out, I have a lot more trust for that person. Yeah, absolutely. That builds trust for me. In huge, and same with in, in dating. If I can have a conflict with somebody and they don't shut down and, and oh, feel yeah. weird and, and, or, or, or punish. Cutting, or punish, exactly. Manipulate. All the power moves. Yeah. I, I instantly fall in love with this. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does get married. I love you. <laughs> I think it is true. It's 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 the it's the I'm about to I'm about to get more vulnerable. About to get more messy. Can you handle this? Yeah. Yes, I can handle this. What's really going on, sweetheart? It's those totally. Yeah. It's those. It's actually for me. Every time I'm, I've only just started to be in the last few years of, of instead of being terrified of those moments, go oh what a fantastic opportunity for them to see how much I love them. Yeah. And then um for me to go, okay. T- I need to ask questions. I'm confused. I don't quite know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Did you do this for this reason or this for this reason? And then, and and the fear of being vulnerable in that moment is extraordinary. And this, the fear of rejection, I guess, would be the equivalent of the fear of failure. Totally, yeah. But I, and this is probably the last question. I don't know how long we've been on for. Oh, whoa. How long has it been? Hour and a half. Let's go. See, conversation is one of my love languages. So I literally just go on for Tyler's like, oh no, I have to edit your podcast. Um, (laughs) Pain, I think, the embracement of pain, how we manage pain, how we process pain on conflict, failure, Mm -hmm. all of those things for me must be one of the areas of maturity and growth. For me, how to yeah. navigate pain is actually very successful if wow. you do a good job of it. Because I've seen myself and so many other people try, yeah. try and do pain 
in any way other than the right way. Do you have any good examples of like... Well, gosh, when I was in the industry, you know, I mean, people were doing cocaine on the office desks. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, I probably would have joined in if I wasn't allergic to aspirin. I was terrified of <laughs> being cut by aspirin. Yeah, so, allergic to that crack cane. Can't I, do it. Yeah, I wasn't one of the cool kids because like, I'm allergic to aspirin. Uh, thanks so much. You know, there was aspirin in cocaine. That's crazy. I, well, I, there probably wasn't, but I think I, <laughs> I think I was so terrified of taking aspirin by that good. point. Yeah. It's probably good. Um, being busy, the art of deflection and mm. blaming other people all the time. Yeah. Um, seeing people go in cycles over mm-hmm. and over again, the the comfort shopping, like whatever that thing is, even the need to be successful, mm-hmm. I think can be some aspirin towards pain. Yeah. If I, if I you know, um, success for some people is their greatest revenge. Yeah. And so that can, I mean, I, I understand why people want to do that, or they were told by their teacher when they were young that they were never going to amount to anything. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll show you. I know, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, hey, revenge is a good, it's very good fuel. Yeah. It's not healthy fuel, but it definitely no. works. <laughs> I mean, you can get a great body on the, the revenge body. Fire body. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fire Absolutely. body. Yeah. <laughs> well, who was it? Clary Kardashian did a whole series on the revenge body. Really? Oh, I'd like to listen it's to actually, that. And it, it's all based on someone's mean to them Aww. and they're going to show them who's possible by their six pack. Like it's wow. just, how, that's how they do it. Where was I going with? Oh, pain. pain. So I'm, I feel less and less nervous the more and more I'm starting to learn about how to navigate pain, how to do pain, how to process pain, how to allow myself to have pain. Mm-hmm. That, it, that these things become much less terrifying. A bit like you saying, oh, is this all it was in regards to whether it's success or failure? Yeah. I felt the same with pain. Mm. of like, oh, I, I spent six years avoiding this by being really mi- busy, really noisy, partying all the time, but burning the candles at both ends. So good. And then when I was finally confronted in silence, yeah, I had to take everything away and eat three meals a day with monks who are very quiet. <laughs> that really gives you I a lot of time. I gotta hear more about that sometime. Oh, I'm gonna tell you about it. Cause it's definitely, I mean, it was crazy. And your dreams are bonkers because yeah. you're not processing with words. Yeah. So anyway, I'm... The, the 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 moment for me when I was confronted with pain finally after six years of this thing I was trying to avoid was exactly that. Oh God, is this what it was? Hmm. If I'd known this, I'd have done this years ago. Wow. We wouldn't have been going around in circles for so long. That's crazy. But I think the fear of inflicting pain on others is is another level to yeah. navigate that. And how totally. do I and and I think if I if I have the vision or the inspiration of how do I build trust with you, yeah. then I'll probably hurt you less. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> if I go intentionally with that and the same with relationships. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you naturally are doing that in the workplace and in these people that you're building. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd use the word naturally <laughs> as much as I would, like I said, like to accept mm-hmm. that. I think it's, it's, it's a lot of practice. It's a lot okay. of failure. You, I miss the mark a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of arguments, you know, me and my partner get into. And um, yeah, I mean, there was this, there was this one time where... Um, I actually learned this tool from Justin um, many years ago. And I, I forgot I learned it from him until we were doing a podcast and mm. he said he did this. And I was like, I did that the other day. <laughs> but my, we got into a huge fight. He was mad at, he didn't like the couch I bought for a, a location we have. And I was mad at him for not liking it. And I was like, this is my fucking couch. <laughs> Turned into this huge, stupid fight. And I was so angry. Cause I just like felt like I was doing something really good and he didn't like it. Totally. And I was mad at him for not liking it. And then, and I just, it got heated, heated and just stormed out of the room. It's like, I'm done. Bah, you did. Leave, yeah. Shut the door. Bah, I'm done. Uh, uh, hate you. Uh, and then I, I just, I was walking out. I was like, oh, I hate him. And this <laughs> thought came into my head and said, you love him. You're just in pain and you're triggered right now. Wow. And you need to let him know. What was the trigger of it? <sighs> Do you think? What um, was the pain part? I don't really know what the, were, were the- Getting into a counseling session. I mean, well, there could have been a lot because we had a lot of conflict on preference and taste and style right. and design. And I mean, just everything we build, we, we were very different. We're particular yeah. people and we have different opinions. Mm. And I think I was just fed up with like, like I felt like, oh, he needs to have his opinion on here and I want to have mine. And, and it, it, I mean, it was a stupid conflict. It, it wasn't even- in hindsight, I mean, it's one of those problems that you tell your friends about. And you're like, he was mad. I got a $10,000 couch. He wanted a $12,000 couch. And they're like, what? And, but when I, when I left, I felt like I was like, I love him and I need to let him know. So I texted him. I said, hey, by the way, I love you a lot. 
Mm-hmm. So I said, hey, I'm really pissed at you. <laughs> and I'm mad that we're having this fight. But I just want to let you know that I do love you and we'll resolve this. That's so powerful. And it kind of just like removed the shields mm-hmm. because it was a reminder of, oh, hey, we love each other. Remember this, we're getting into this fight, but we do love each other. And actually mm-hmm. it lowered his guard even to where we could just talk and be like, oh, hey, we actually love each other. It's crazy we're having yeah. this. And it, it helped us resolve it. And so I think, I mean, that's built a lot of trust with us and being able mm-hmm. to be just candid with each other and just be like, hey, like this sucks right now that we're fighting about this, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to go through it to get to the end with you. Totally. And there's almost like this weird taboo around arguments where you just feel like like there's these rules you have to follow or a way you have to do it. But even that you've seen how, I don't know if you've seen how I met your mother. Yes. Like when Lily and Marshall go pause during a fight and then they have sex and they connect because <laughs> they love each other so much. They right. Work. And I'm like- It's so powerful that. It is powerful to mm. be in a heated debate with one of your best friends and be like, okay, time out. I fucking love, sorry. I fucking love you. <laughs> And I want to, I'm so mad at you. Can we take a break totally. and come back to this in a minute? And um, yeah, I don't know what that is, but that, it just feels so. I think, I think you're right. Cause I, I mean, gosh, I, there was a guy I was dating a few months ago. He's so wonderful. I, I mean, and he's Jewish, so he couldn't have probably moved on <laughs> much further. <laughs> but he, and he would admit this himself. He was really terrified of pain. And I've been so used to it in this environment of being a pastor, you're doing 10 confrontations a day pretty much. Yeah. So we learned how to do it pretty well. And I was like, hey, you know, and I, I, I can't remember even what it was about, but I was like, I, and I was going super gently because I knew he was so terrified of pain. And he, he was worried that he was causing me pain by bringing up a need. Mm. And I could feel, he was like pulling further and further away. I was like, baby, where are you going? <laughs> and he's like, no, because we're just having, we're about to have this conversation, aren't we? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I need, no, I need you to come, come, come and hold on to me, hold on to me, hold on to me. And he's Aww. like, no, I feel so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to cause you pain. I said, you're not causing me pain, darling, you're fine. I'm just, I'm bringing someone to you. You don't have to, it's okay. You haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> so it was, kind of, it was kind of beautiful to kind of go in that journey of like, I love actually teach, I love, I love teaching people. I'm a bit of a teacher in me. So I love teaching people by example. Yeah. You haven't done anything wrong, even yeah. if there's discourse in a moment. Um, but gosh, that's taken a long time. Yeah. And I think that's the navigation of pain. Oh, I'm recognizing I'm in pain. Even recognize me yeah. in pain rather than deflecting in the moment. When did that click for you? Gosh, honestly. There's a, there's a moment for me when it clicked where like now I know when I'm triggered. I know when I'm having to confront and deal with pain. I know when there's a moment where there's, and it, it, it just, pop, here it is. We're in an argument. I feeling triggered. What's the trigger? And, but I'm like, I'm at 20 years old. I was not self-aware like that. And I, the, no. I, I did not, I wasn't thinking through arguments. All, it was just survival, survival, survival. Oh, but like, what was, what was the moment for you when it just started clicking Gosh. like that? Gosh, well, when I just started realizing I couldn't run away from pain anymore. I think yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to a point where, well, actually a lot of it started when I was asked to be a pastor in this environment. And I was like, well, that's the last thing I want to do. Oh, wow. uh, because I know some people, a lot of people want this job, yeah. but the majority of us that are chosen for it did, have run from the idea because we recognize the responsibility of it and you're sort of t- told to take care of 65 souls for the yep. year. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, but here's the deal. I was having a really cushy life. I did whatever I wanted to do. I worked with whoever I wanted to work with. Mm. I could pick up projects, put down projects. I, di- I wasn't financially obligated in any way. And I didn't have a huge amount of accountability. But I knew, but I, as I was learning, I was learning myself more and I'd numbed myself for so long Mm. in regards to pain management that when I started to get closer and closer and get more healing essentially on emotional health then I recognized the power of like oh gosh now I'm actually starting to feel things like conviction Mm. and caring for other people and this is very painful yeah (laughs) but it was actually very powerful because I recognized I mean one of the oldest diseases in the world is leprosy and the disease actually um, annihilates the, the nervous system. So things don't drop off, as, is, as the stigma tells you. It's actually just your body shuts down to the nervous system. So if they touch something hot or cold, they, won't t- they, they can't tell. It. And so all of a sudden, we were gifted with pain and recognizing actually leprosy. When you're given it, you, you're, you don't know what's hot or cold. You when you've cut yourself. And, so, gotcha. and then your, your eyelids don't blink anymore. 
So you become blind. So it's all of the all of the mechanisms in us. The pain factor is actually a gift. Such a good analogy. I know (laughs) that actually helps us see quite literally. And so, one of the things that I find I found so fascinating is like if I give into this quite literally and die into this role, and I remember like running into the office of our senior pastor at our church, and I went, I I can't do it. I can't do this job. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the offer, but I can't do it. And he went, can we just, sorry, can we just pause meetings for a few minutes? I think Carrie and I need to have a conversation. So I sat down and I went, you and I are good. Like we have a good friendship. I appreciate the offer. <laughs> Thanks so much. But um, if I work for you, that might go downhill really quickly. And what if I go wrong? And what if I make a mess? And what if I cause you pain? Never mind me pain. Wow. And then he went, oh, you're going to get it wrong. You will get it wrong. I love that. And I went, um, yeah, but that, that's, that's what I don't want to do. So... <laughs> Um, so I don't <laughs> want to do to the job. avoid that, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he went, but what if, just what if for a minute, what if I loved you exactly when you're getting it wrong? Mm. And I went, well, that's never happened to me before. And he went, there you go. Am I muting something? No, no. Yeah, you, you, Your head just going? pulls away from it. Yeah. When you, Is that what happened there? Yeah, a little there. bit. Yeah. They, they, the microphone wants to kiss you. It just wants oh, to like be right Oh, it just loves yeah. me so it much. Yeah. It's my dulcet tones. Yeah. So anyway, that was the moment. And then I realized, wow. oh, me pulling away from this is actually not being very obedient. But not just about obedience. It was actually like, I've just recognized I might actually learn something for the first time. And I'd like to give the opportunity to someone that's never broken my trust to actually wow. love me when I'm wrong. Dang. So it was kindness. Wow. That led me to... Embracing pain. If you can't embrace pain, you can't embrace failure. I th- that's so, what I was going to ask you. I think Is that, that the case? I think so. Well, because yeah. I mean, why are we afraid of failure? If you were to trip in this room and no one sees you, you don't give a shit about that. I, I, I practice my trip and jog routine. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you, you, have, a, you have a whole practice routine <laughs> around it. But if you go and do an open mic and there's nobody there, yeah. you're not embarrassed by it. Yeah. Failure, like why we're afraid of failure is because we're afraid of being rejected. Yeah. And we're afraid of the pain of rejection. We're afraid of appearing weak, appearing non-successful, or we're also afraid of it proving to us that we can't do it. Yeah. So if you can't, if you can't deal with your pain, you can't, in a healthy way, process through failure. Right. Because that's the whole point of processing through failure is, yeah, it's going to be painful. No one Mm -hmm. wants to get booed off a stage or laughed at or get told no when they ask somebody out. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, hey, this will feel good when you do it. It's, hey, you're going to fall off your bike when you're learning to ride, Mm -hmm. but you're going to get more and more confident to the point where you don't really fall off. And if you do, you know how to fall in such a way to where it doesn't hurt that bad. Yeah. So it's not avoiding pain. It's just like, learning to to roll with the pain, learning to heal from the pain and learning to, I don't know. It's like, like you said, as soon as you realized how weak it was, like you weren't afraid to run towards it. Yeah. Once you realize that the monster under the bed is like a tiny was chihuahua me. with no teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, 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 ah. It's yeah. like, oh, you're actually not that bad. Yeah. I thought you were this werewolf gonna rip me a new one, you know? And yeah. It's all bark, no bite. Yeah. That's why you'll be a great actor. You're not scared of failing. Thank you. I love acting. Oh, it's so good. It's so fun. I, do you know what I do on a day off? I go to the actor's studio. Really? Mm. Where at? And go Which to the actor's studio in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. And I go and watch um, Lou Antonio. Okay. He's in his 80s now. Wow. But he, he was known as one of the finest actors in New York. And he didn't care about being famous or successful. He cared about the craft. Wow which made him so brilliant. Mm -hmm. And his stories are phenomenal in the 50 years of Hollywood. He wrote, um, I think it was in Cool Hand Luke, which was, I think, one of his biggest films that he was in. But my God, he's extraordinary to watch him. When he's teaching people, he's never correcting or diction darling like we are in England. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't take projection, sweetheart. (laughs) You know. I remember, oh, it's awful. I I don't know whether I can share this, but... I remember when I, because I was, I was on the trajectory of the actress route and I was going into the auditions of RADA and all the drama schools and I'm, there, was once, there was one time when there was rehearsals and the director was talking to one of my friends and uh, another friend, they were about to come on stage left and uh, he goes, can the two behind the curtain stop looking like a couple of lesbians and get on stage? Like, <laughs> you're just 
so awful. <laughs> and they so it's just this constant. Yeah. But I kind of love that. Mm -hmm. The the sort of I like I like the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes yeah. of acting. Yeah. And so watching Lou, he he someone will come in. There'll be two scenes. It goes from eleven to one on a Wednesday. You come in. He watches the scene, and he he basically whispers one choice in each of their ears, just one choice, and then they replay the scene. And the scene is always a thousand times better, but wow. you never know what the choice was until the very end of both scenes have done. Wow, I love that so much. One choice. <laughs> wow. And he whispers it in each of the actors' ears, and you're like just pensed, waiting. Oh my gosh. But it's so extraordinary that instead of confining people into, this is how it should look, this is what you should do, diction darling, when you're ready to come on like a couple of lesbians, instead of yep. that, mm -hmm. you're actually like, oh, I didn't realize there are so many other options that we can play with and be childlike with. And, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's my favorite space to be in because I always end up going home and writing because now I'm thinking outside the box all the wow. time and the power of, of just one different choice. Wow. And I think about that in the morning. I, my last question to you. So sorry. No, this is we great. could have gone on forever. Totally great. Yeah. Daily rituals. Mm -hmm. Do you have any? I, I'd love to say that I get up at five in the morning. Yeah. That I meditate for an hour sure, and sure, do sure. all the stuff. But no, I actually um, part of the burnout that I experienced really kind of screwed up my sleep cycle. Um, mm. So it's something I'm still working on actually. But I've given myself permission to not have to make my life look the way other people say it needs to look. That's good. Like I didn't become successful because I woke up early. <laughs> or read a book every week. I, it, it worked because I put my face down and worked and got yeah, it done, you know? So, that's good. Um, so like, but some things that I do is one thing I love is I love ice bathing. It's the best. Okay. You've gone on to another stratosphere <laughs> of being bonkers. Oh, I love it. So um, why do you love it so much? Because well, it, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And what you learn the first second you get into an ice bath is I'm going to die. Yes. Yeah. And then that doesn't go away for at least two minutes. Yes. So for, but after that two minutes- Wait, body, do you go to the waist or do you go all the way to stop it? Wait a neck. And then I'll fully submerge? No. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's great. We'll do it sometime. I'll take you, okay. to, the, I'll take you to the river. Oh, that's that a good would place be. to start. That's the like river's, that it's ice cold man or something. He lives Wim in the Hoff. snow. Yes. Yeah. It, it, was he your inspiration? He was, yeah. Really? Yep. There's breath work you do. and But but what, what, what's crazy is it sucks so bad, you have to hang on for two minutes. And after two minutes, your body starts to regulate and then relax. And wow. it, it sends new blood all through your body, through your brain. It has crazy health benefits. It's it, For people struggling with anxiety or depression, it's amazing. Really? Oh, it takes you out of fight or flight. It's I didn't insane. know this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's amazing. So right. everyone I've taken to do an ice bath is sold after they do it the first time. But that first two minutes, they're Painful. freaking out. They're, I'm going to die. I was like, you're not going to die. I'm it having a coronary. Right it is. And, and that's, I feel like how God will even speak to me. He's like, hey, Brian, this sucks right now. Just hang on. It's going to get better, mm. I promise. And the exercise of putting yourself in an extremely hostile, intense environment, and then learning that your body adjusts to it it builds a muscle memory in your brain to where you, when you're in actual stressful environments, you start wow. to go to, oh, it, it'll be fine in, in a little bit. Wow. And so it's an exercise that I do several times a week. And- I thought you were gonna say several times a day. Then. No, yeah, like, yeah, I'm actually late <laughs> for my ice bath right now. <laughs> I, I would like to do it every day, but you know, sometimes I get ahead. But if I'm really stressful, I'll go do it. I'll just leave. I'll leave the office, go do an ice bath for 10 minutes right. and then come back. And it is that, so that's definitely a routine. But I mean- I don't really have like a morning ritual. Um, I love spending time with the Lord, meditating. I love journaling. I write a lot. Mm. Um, I, I like to do things that I never have done. So I like yes. to mix up my day towards like, oh, I haven't done this before. I'm going to try this. Add the aspect of novelty to my life. There are certain parts of your brain that light up whenever you're experiencing something new or you see a new color or a new scent that only light up when you're experiencing something new. So- Is that why I can never stay in the same place? Yeah, probably. Yeah, minutes. you just need that new, that new know. You know, color lighting in your yeah. brain. Yeah. That's why I'm going to have eight husbands in my life. I'm joking, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that at all. You don't need eight husbands. All. You just need one husband and seven boyfriends. Oh, you know? there we go. There That's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
such an inspiration. Thank so you. lovely to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. And then when you're next time in LA, I should take you to the actor's studio. Yeah, just so I you would can watch absolutely Lou. love that. Because yeah. he, I mean, I'll ask my friend if we can uh, go through with my friend and she, she, she lets us in, but it's extraordinary to watch. I bet. Yeah. And I just thank you for taking care of people that I love oh, and yeah. being such a, a great boss. And thank you. they're so happy. Mm. I'm so excited to see what happens in your life. That's, that's encouraging to hear. I appreciate that. Did I fail or succeed at this podcast? Because quite frankly, we, we've been almost two I think hours. We, won. we had. We burped a lot. We laughed a lot. There we, we go. Had, were interrupted several times. And we were good with that conflict. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Carry On podcast. I've so loved your messages. If you're new to this, um, then I'm on Instagram at Carrie Gracie. And you're welcome to DM me there. I do read my own messages. We do have a little team that helped me out with it as well. And we have a Facebook page that is called Carrie Lloyd funnily enough so uh, if there's anything you want me to talk about if there's anything you wish to get in touch with us about uh, then you can also go on to www.carrieloyd.live that's my um, main website where you can contact us through there Um, always a pleasure never a chore darling